listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this week 11 episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and joining me as always this week is my co-host, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good night to you all. I'm good, thank you. Yourself? <laughs> yeah, nice little Truman Show reference there from you. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you. Please hold your applause. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding my applause. Don't you worry about that, buddy. <laughs> Just going to mug you off nicely. How have you been since last week, my friend? Yeah, no, pretty good, actually. It's nice and busy at the moment, so, you know, you don't get complacent. Indeed. Well, join us after this short break when we'll be back with our quickfire roundup of the Week 11 action. The Super Bowl is defined by spectacular plays, and those that have the longest staying power are often the longest runs. From time to time, for some teams, lightning strikes twice. He's gone! He's gone! He'll hand off to Smith. Timmy Smith from 58 yards! As time passes, those plays and players grow in stature. Throughout Super Bowl history, familiar faces have risen to the moment. Even if it means rising and running in the opposite direction. Another super stage on the verge of being set. Who will join them in a run for immortality? get this quickfire round underway with Thursday Night Football. Yep, we had a Thursday Night Football clash in the AFC South as Tennessee came into Jacksonville. Bit of a quiet event really until Rashad Green returned a punt to the seven-yard line for break quarters to throw a touchdown to Julius Thomas. He's been paying off his bills there. This put Jacksonville ahead. Now a slip on a key fourth down ended the game by Mariota, bless him, as Jacksonville win back-to-back games for the first time in two years. Jacksonville win 19-13. Dallas versus Miami now, and this week we saw Tony Romo back at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys as he'd missed the previous seven games through injury, and boy did he make a difference. Early in the first quarter, Romo should have been sacked for a safety, but he managed to somehow spin out of it and throw a left-handed pass to McFadden. Sure, they didn't get the first down off the completion, but it just showed you that he was was back and back in business. An early warning shot for the Dolphins. Romo not only got back into making plays with his feet, but he also threw touchdown passes to Terrence Williams and Des Bryant. Most importantly though, he got that all-important W for the Cowboys, their first win in seven games. Cowboys 24, Miami 14. Indianapolis at Atlanta. Now in Georgia, turnovers was the flavour of this game, with seven total turnovers by both teams. The Falcons lost Freeman early on to a concussion as Falcons falter again. Colts didn't have Andrew Luck, but it didn't seem to matter as they managed to scrape another win to stay top of the AFC South. Indianapolis 24, Atlanta 21. Tampa versus Philadelphia now, and boy was this a coming out party for the young Jameis Winston, and I don't mean that in a Marcus Innuendo way, I mean this kid just had an unbelievable game. Winston's party was helped by the return of veteran wide receiver Vincent Jackson on the night Winston threw for 246 yards and 5 touchdowns and the Eagles just looked shell-shocked despite the fact they took the early lead. Lovey Smith for me is really starting to get these Buccaneers playing the way he wants and they won this game 45-17. to 
So Lewis at Baltimore now, and Case Keenan was in for Nick Foles for the Rams, and he came down with a case of fumbleitis, unfortunately. Justin Forsett suffered a very nasty broken arm as he was tackled by Aaron Donald. Both QBs as well suffered injuries with a torn ACL for Flacco and a concussion for Keenum. This was definitely an injury-flavoured game. Both teams missed field goals in the fourth quarter, but Baltimore would get another chance and convert it for the win. Baltimore 16, St. Louis 13. Kansas versus San Diego now, and I really don't know what is happening to Phillip Rivers and these Chargers at the moment. They just don't seem to be able to get any offense going. The Chiefs, on the other hand, led by ever-consistent Alex Smith, were controlled, well-disciplined, found a way to hit big plays when they needed to, thanks to the likes of running back Spencer Ware, who came in for the injured to Chandarik West, rattled up 96 yards and two touchdowns. The Chiefs are starting to put themselves in a position to make a run at the playoffs as they came away from this encounter with a 33-3 win. Washington at Carolina. Five was the lucky number for Carolina today as the defense forced five turnovers and Cam Newton would throw for five touchdown passes. In an absolute routing of the Redskins this week, they couldn't maintain the sort of same level they had in last week's victory and the path to stay perfect. Carolina 44, Washington 16. We head into the NFC North now and the battle between the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota have been playing some great football of late on the back of a rejuvenated Adrian Peterson and some big plays from tight end Carl Rudolph, whereas the Packers were looking to avoid four defeats on the spin. Rudolph continued his form into this game and he made 101 yards, got a touchdown as well off six receptions, but on this day it would be all about Aaron Rodgers, who would have the last laugh finding two touchdown passes, one to James Jones, one to Randall Cobb, and the Packers came away with the big division victory, 30-13. to Denver at Chicago. Now, Brock Osweiler would start his first NFL game. And he had a pretty decent one, actually. Uh, 20 out of 27 attempts, 250 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. But it was really that Denver defense that would keep Chicago in check all game. And the game came down to a failed two-point conversion as Denver stopped their losing streak in their tracks. Denver 17, Chicago 15. NFC West now and the 49ers headed into Seattle for the latest in this installment of their division rivalry. Kaepernick was again benched in favour of the young Blaine Gabbert at quarterback for the 49ers. But for me at this point in the season, it really doesn't matter who their quarterback is because they look likely to lose anyway. This game was no different and despite being without star running back Marshawn Lynch, the Seahawks looked really good behind the arm of Russell Wilson and the legs of their young running back Thomas Rawls who ran for 206 yards and a touchdown. Rawls also pops up in the passing game, three receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown. Seattle just too good for the 49ers and came away with a victory 29-13. Oakland at Detroit. Now, Oakland's air game never turned up on Sunday in Detroit as Derek Carr was held to under 175 yards. Detroit snuck ahead in the fourth quarter with Stafford's rushing touchdown. Oakland had a chance to go downfield and win this game except for a holding penalty by Donald Penn in the end zone. Ah! Gave Detroit a safety and the win. Detroit 18, Oakland 13. Cincinnati versus Arizona now and not only was this my but it was also one of my favourite games from this week's action. It didn't disappoint. Both teams came into the game with winning records and are looking to make a strong push towards the playoffs. Bengals took the early glory as they intercepted Carson Palmer on two of his opening three drives, but they only managed to get seven points from those turnovers, and we know in football you need to score off your turnovers. Palmer then seemed to come into his own and threw four touchdowns on the night despite having a further interception. The Bengals hung around and tied up the game, 
with just over a minute left. Gave Palmer just enough time and one last chance to see if he could lead the Cardinals on a game-winning drive. And he did just that, got them into field goal position. And the Cardinals came away with a win, 34-31. to My prediction was right. Boom. New York Jets and Houston. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins put together another highlight real day. Uh, that's 118 yards and two touchdowns. The Texans' defense looks to be improving as they kept the run game of the Jets quiet. Uh, Texans as well developing on TJ Yates' quarterback. They win their third game in a row to go 5-5 five and five and some promise for the Texans there. Jets got to try and stop that losing streak or they're going to lose their wildcard place off. Houston win this one 24-17. Another Bills primetime game now as they travel to New England to take on the Patriots for this week's Monday Night Football. Despite my best efforts to try and sleep and then watch the game in the morning, found myself staying up to watch this game in its entirety. It certainly wasn't the most exciting of games I've ever watched in terms of big plays, but it definitely built the suspense all game long. Rex Ryan came into this game with a plan to stifle Brady with coverage from blitz looks and vice versa, and for the most part it worked. Half-time, the Patriots were only up 10-3 thanks to a late touchdown in the second quarter from James White. Buffalo managed to bring it back to 10 all thanks to a missed field goal, which you don't see very often from Goskowski. A tidy drive and a 27-yard touchdown run from Shady McCoy made that 10 all Tension continued to build for both teams. Both teams turned over the ball, but the Patriots, as they always do, found a way to make the big plays when it counted. And despite some dodgy officiating, as I say, the Patriots came away with a win, 20-13. Goals, so you can bite me some teeth. You are listening to Spitball. We come on now to our weekly musings and our weekly thoughts, and I want to kick off this week, Marcus, by asking you a question. I've seen a few times this year that the defense seems to be celebrating an awful lot after a big third down play, sometimes taking themselves sort of five, ten yards away from the line of scrimmage. What would you think to this, that offences going into third down situations with two plays in their head so that while the defence is still celebrating, they can just come up to the line, snap the ball, get the penalty, they'll either get a first down from it or they get a better position to punt or even maybe get themselves in field goal range. What do you reckon? I think that's really, really good coaching. Smart, smart coaching. Not sure why I'm not an NFL coach then, really, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it depends as well, because, of course, a lot of the time you've got to sit there and it depends on the refs being as clued up as you. Because the problem is that a lot of the time they're sitting there, say you get a sack on um, on third down, QB goes down, you have to know, get up, get going, and you've got to make sure the refs are like, come on, we want to do something. Because sometimes you do see, like, the refs will sort of like, they've seen you be sacked, they'll like, walk in, stuff like that. So you've got to be like, come on! Because they've got to set the ball down, right? You can't just set the ball and play. So it, it would depend on that because, of course, that could shoot you in the foot. But yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, if you ain't going to put a substitute package in, then you could just literally go, go, go. Yeah, even if you just go with the same play again, you could just hustle everyone back up to the line of scrimmage and, and trust that defence don't get there. Worst case scenario, they do get there. You just uh, either take a timeout or you hustle the punt team on. That's just my thinking on it. Cause I mean, yeah, because, it- yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to have, what, is it 40 seconds, is it? You do, you get 40 seconds, and you only have to look at one of the plays from the, the Bills game this week. The Pats got a really big play down the field through Amendola, and next thing you know, <laughs> Bills are still sort of uh, swantering back to the, the line of scrimmage, and before you know it, Pats have made substitutions and have snapped the ball at the three-yard line, got an offside penalty against Corey Graham because he hasn't been able to make it from 30 yards down the field back onto the, the right side of the line of scrimmage and it's an offside penalty. That's what kind of got me thinking, actually. I think more teams should try and take advantage of when defenders are trying to celebrate too much. Yeah, definitely so. I think that's a great idea. I mean, you have the advantage as the offence. You always have the advantage because you know what you're going to run and the defence is always reacting. So you know what? Why are you on the front foot? Use it. Well, yeah, that's it. Because it's trying to take that front foot back, isn't it? Because the defence make a big play and sacking you or whatever, and then you're just right on the ball, boom. It's my idea, so I could obviously talk about it all night. Instead, I'm going to come to you, Marcus, to see what you've been thinking about this week. What I've been thinking about this week is just some of the, the sort of chop and change and the way that some teams lose, and especially at this point in the season, how much the playoff picture swings. So I've been looking this week at if the season ended today. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, that old chestnut. Uh, So we've got on our bye week, of course, Pats and Bengals in the AFC, and we've got Panthers Cardinals in the NFC, which, you know, they're they're the top two in each division. We're not going to, uh, there's not really much change there. But what I really saw was the wildcard game. Due to the Texans beating the Jets, the Chiefs jump in to play the Broncos. And you've got Steelers Colts. So you're, you're looking there. Now with Texans and 5-5, five and five, a game behind the Colts, they could sneak in to play the Steelers. And, of course, the Chiefs have snuck in to play the Broncos. So AFC, I mean... How do you feel about that? You've got Texans, Bills and Jets all in the hunt with one game behind. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it, really? And it's all going to come down to results in the AFC. And we've got a good result against the Colts, but it all comes down to who wins the AFC South. But that's going to bring me into something I wanted to talk about anyway, and that is who do we think will win the AFC South? And in the blog this week, I've kind of made a bit of a you know bold prediction like they do sometimes on the NFL coverage. Texans will win the AFC South. They dragged themselves really nicely into that picture. Um, so fair play. And if we're going to flip the other side, so that's the AFC. Wild cards on the NFC. Falcons now dropping like stones. I have to go, go to Lambeau and play the Packers while Vikings are at the Giants. With Buccaneers, get this, with that lovely win against um, Philadelphia, that smattering, 5-5 five and five Buccaneers, and the Seahawks are also in the hunt at 5-5, five and five, a game, both of them are game behind. What are your thoughts on the NFC? So who are the wildcard matchups, sorry, for the NFC, just remind me again? NFC, we have 6C, Falcons at Packers, wow. and Vikings at Giants. See, there would be some really good matchups, and I would love to see the Vikings win. It could go either way because the Vikings are a very, very solid team, especially defensively under Mike Zimmer. But the Giants have that explosive playability with Odell Beckham Jr. And they've got Randall, who Eli Manning goes to as well. And they've now got Jason Pierre-Paul back on defense. It'd be an interesting one. But I think from experience, I'd say probably Giants would take out the Vikings. And I reckon Matty Ice will make a comeback if he had to and beat the Packers, even though it would be in Green Bay, I'm assuming. Yeah, it would be at Lambeau. I mean, I like the idea that you've got the Seahawks in the hunt. Love the fact the Buccaneers are doing so well. Really like that. So the fact is, with the Falcons being sixth seed, Buccaneers are making a great case that when they go back, because they've still got to face each other one more time this year, there's a chance there you can leapfrog. And the Buccaneers, with Jameis Winston, rookie, getting to go to playoffs in his first season. Yeah, if he did, that would be uh, yeah, that'd be pretty phenomenal, really, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Or you could have the Seahawks do like the Giants did a couple of years ago, come in as six seeds and sort of ride their wave into the Super Bowl like the Giants did, maybe. 
or the road wins. Yeah, maybe. But we're thinking of riding into the playoffs like that with a with a load of victories. I said in the blog this week, I'm going for Cowboys to win the NFC East again and have a bold prediction. Oh, I don't know about that. They're only two games behind. Cowboys want to win it. Romo's back, and they've got to play obviously all the teams in their division as well. I can definitely see the Cowboys riding that wave and riding Romo and Bryant all the way to the playoffs again. Say that again, sorry, they're going to ride who? Romo and Bryant. (laughs) The Cowboys are going to ride Romo and Bryant. I've stolen your innuendos. There you have it. (laughs) And I'm going to move swiftly on to ask you two quick questions. Firstly, will the Patriots remain unbeaten for the rest of the season? No. Okay. Who are they going to lose to then? Not sure, but the fact is the last three weeks... You can't be not sure and say they're going to lose. Come on, man. I I don't don't know who they're going to face. I mean, they've got Denver this week. Um, but Brock Osweiler? No, I'm not too sure. But the fact is the Patriots, the last couple of weeks, we saw against you on Monday night that you know, there's there's weaknesses in their game. Who did they play the week before? I can't remember. But New York Giants. New York, again, just scraped by the Giants by a late field goal. They, You know, they aren't as all-powerful. as they, I mean, if there's any team that's actually going undefeated at the moment, it's Pampers. Panthers, I think, could. And the last thing I want to talk about this week, because we're kind of running out of time for this segment, uh, I want to come back to Buffalo. I don't, haven't spoken about him much, I don't think, this year. Megatron, there's lots of rumours flying around about him being mm, traded or going yeah, at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, hello, Buffalo. For me, I think we need two big receivers of Megatron's capability coming into Buffalo next year because then that way if you had say Megatron and a another receiver like a Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd someone along those kind of lines playing on the outside maybe even Roddy White because he normally comes available on Madden someone along those lines and then you put Watkins in the slot and then you see how much better he is than his coverage next year I think you only need one receiver actually to be fair I mean give Watkins still give him some space on the outside let him challenge the field vertically and you have someone like a Megatron who you can literally just have as that big presence that will just, you throw the football to, whether it's a little bit high, maybe it's a little bit to the sideline. You know that he's going to sit there. He's going to outfight the defender, that sort of clutch receiver who you just know, I'm in trouble. I'm going to throw it his way. He's going to make a play. And you know what else I'm thinking with that Rex Ryan scheme? And this is going to sound really bad and I may get a lot of hate for this. I don't know, but... In order to get Megatron, I'm sending Mario Williams down the river and trading him off for a draft pick so I could bring in Megatron, who'd be more helpful because our scheme can adapt without Williams, but we need someone else to complement that passing game. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Rex Ryan can work his magic on defense, but I think he's going to need some help. He's going to need a megastar on offense. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got Gunn, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick going. So we come to the point in the show, guys, when we are talking about our impact. Player. And our... So let's start right now with some impact players. Adrian, my man, who have you got as your impact player of the week? I'm honoured and humbled that you're letting me go first when I let you introduce the segment. So firstly, thank you very much, kind sir. I am going this week for my impact player as Cam... Newton, Superman himself, 246 yards, five touchdowns. Unbelievable that he did have, barring the completion to attempt ratio, 
exactly the same number of yards as Winston and exactly the same number of touchdowns as Winston. Check that out. Both had 246 yards and five touchdowns this week. Uh, but for me, Cam Newton's really showing that poise. Uh, he rushes when he needs to. He's becoming the leader that that team really needs and possible MVP candidate for this year. Can't ask for much more. And you know what? This is getting a little bit scary, guys, because my impact player is James Winston. <laughs> so you can see from his stat line that I'm not lying. He had exactly the same stats as Cam Newton, barring attempts and completions. Exactly. You know what? For me, the impact is the development of this kid. You know, we saw what he could do in Florida State. Yeah, we get it. College is a lot different from the pros. But the fact is that he's maturing in that sort of Lovey Smith system. Okay. It's taking a little bit of while and we can see that, you know, the attempts are still low compared, like the, the completion, 19 of 29. But the fact is he's protecting the ball. No interceptions, no fumbles. That's the, the development you want to see. And that's the impact for me is that he can lead a team but lead it successfully. Can't argue with that. And uh, uncannily that we go for players with exactly the same yardage and touchdowns this week, but they both had a huge impact on the week. So I don't think anyone can argue with that. So we come not only on... That, not only that, both Heisman winners. Well, there you go. I don't think anyone can argue with that then. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's get out of this twilight zone and move on to your... Well, my... This week is the New York Jets over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it's becoming quite a bit of a theme, but purely because I'm trying to get things right this year with these predictions and because the league is so much closer, it seems, this year. It's another 55 to 45, so by three points or less, but it's so close to call this year. But I just think with that Jets defence, with Revis Island um, and with the front seven of that Jets defence, who you have in your fantasy team, don't you, buddy? Good pick up at the start of the year. Fair play to you. Um, I think they're just going to overpower the Dolphins and and Ryan Tannehill. I don't think they have or they can match up offensively against that Jets defence. Add to that, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, people we've talked about a lot on the show with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just think they find a way to win against Miami. Yeah, that's completely understandable. And it's just that development. I just Miami, bless them, they're just they're rebuilding. I think you got to sit the whole process. Head coach, whatnot. You got to sort of chalk this year down to experience. My is uh, kind of what we spoke of earlier, and it goes with what you said. Is Houston at home to beat New Orleans. I think Houston are riding a great wave right now. And you know what? New Orleans look awful, especially defensively. Um, so I think that TJ Yates, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, they must just be rubbing their hands together because this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Could be an absolute shootout, but I'm going to say 60 40 in favour of Houston, probably 10 to 13 points, 10 14 for them to win this one. Nice and easy at home. Give their fans something to cheer about and have a winning record for the first time this year. And all that, even though the Saints have sacked their defensive coordinator in Rob Ryan. Yeah, that's not going to help. They are, they are sinking ship. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. 
Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. All that remains is for me to thank our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions for the awesome job he always does with our podcast. And also for me to thank my amazing co-host, Mr. Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Thank you. Always lovely being on. And of course, we got Thanksgiving to look forward to, sir. Are you buying the turkey this year? Ah, I guess it is my turn then. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Yes, he shoots his scores, free meal. Nice. (laughs) Remember, we are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. If you want to get in touch with us, remember. Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Twitter at Adri Mallows, at Marcus underscore innuendo, and at ballhawksnest. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Yeah.